Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I'm running out of gas, man. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Must be nice having a delicious coffee drink flavor with almond milk like Glenn has. It's because I'm running out of gas, man. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Someone left a giant tub of peanut M&Ms. It's actually called... Pantry size. And wow. I, oh, wow. And it's just taunting me. It's just sitting here taunting me the whole time. I like the implication that a shelf couldn't hold it. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> only for the pantry, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, we, uh, we do want to start out by pointing out that assuming all these come out in the right order we recorded them, which being that I'm the producer is never a guarantee, this would be the 300th episode oh, of wow. this podcast. What? We made it. They said we couldn't. Well, they said we shouldn't. And they were right about yeah, that. Yeah, it's a very fair criticism. They said if we did, they wouldn't listen. And they didn't. <laughs> the vast, vast majority of them <laughs> held to that promise. <laughs> but we did it anyway. But if so, you're, yes, if you're still here and enjoying the show 300 episodes later, A, thank you very much. We appreciate you a lot. Yeah. And B, why? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I mean, not judgmentally. I mean, that's, that's an honest question. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we honestly don't get what's appealing about this show to anyone who's not the four of us. Right. We do have to say to the listener, we don't listen. No. No, I, I find it a bit uh, childish. A bit much. A bit, a bit uh, you know, Rococo. Yeah. That's not what that means. A bit, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a bit uh, loquacious. Nope. Sure. Yeah. A bit, uh, you know... Uh, uh, you're just copying words from art reviews, aren't you? It's a bit feckened. Mm. I don't even think that was a word. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, but uh, you know, we we kept going. Yeah, we sure did. So there's that. We endured. Yeah. How well, many episodes has your podcast released? Oh, four hundred. Oh well, never mind. I, I was not expecting that reply. That's kind of took the wind out of my sails. Right. Sure. Should have asked Terry Gross that question. Should have seen this coming. <laughs> well, you know, when we first started this podcast, our podcast ranking was at the bottom because you started at the bottom. Right. Yeah, that's how it works. But now it's it's, it's also still at the bottom. So yes. that's something. So. Still not a – we're still in others receiving votes. We haven't right. really cracked the charts yet. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those, uh, it, you know, uh, it's not mainstream. No, it's you know indie. What I mean? It? Got that's that what sweet it indie cred. Sure, it's that's underground, exactly right. quite literally. Yes. Well, that's all. That's all great stuff. We have, you know, I'd like to think that over 300 episodes, we've had some things we've we've had a hand in. We've we've taken up some good causes. We've championed some things. Maybe we've mm. done a little bit of good. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure there's any evidence we've accomplished on any of those. When I mean, we no. set out to take down Joel Osteen, that didn't yeah. happen really. Yeah. No. Try to have a fake rap beef with him to, you know, launch our own thing. We and viciously, really... viciously attacked Canada. Yep. Canada's still standing and thriving even. Oh, they they're just getting handsomer every day. <laughs> yeah, we uh we, we 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 were part of the war on the war on Christmas, but that the war on Christmas started and now we're on the war on the war on the war on Christmas. We right. just finished and that I don't think we can declare victory quite declare victory on that one. Yeah, I get confused. 
on it. So yeah. Now certainly I think we can say that a pet issue from episode one has been um that the Christians broke dating. Yeah. yeah. And we've been part of a pretty strongly, I think vehemently, I think uniformly that, you know, you broke it. You should be the ones that fix it. Mm-hmm. You broke right. it, you bought it. You broke it, you bought it. In this case, the, you bought the book that broke it, which the buying things hurt, this whole sure, situation. Yes. <laughs> right. But uh, we, we've, you know, we've championed, um, you know, uh, just locking them all in a room. Right. We've championed. That's, that one is mine, sure. I'd like to point out. <laughs> yeah, we've championed uh, bringing back the idea of couple skate. Yep. Yep. It, it, roller skating, you get a disco ball, some roller skates. Boom, romance. Play some sure. Jodeci over the yeah. speakers. No doubt, that, no that's doubt. Just, that's, a, that's a blast for a very specific time period, <laughs> but I appreciated it. That's just hot, hot romance right there. That was the creepiest possible way to put that. So. <laughs> yeah. That's also stayed consistent over uh, some 300 episodes. You finish, you finish your couple skate hand-in-hand and get yourself a slice of snack bar pizza. And you <laughs> know what? You, you wipe that, wash that down with a Slurpee. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Of course, that's. Let me tell you what. That's a uh, that's some hot, hot, hot dating right there. Stop Absolutely. saying hot. <laughs> that many times. <laughs> Steamy, muggy, muggy loop. dating. <laughs> well, we're all going to try to forget that happened. Hot. <laughs> the more H makes it worse. <laughs> I'm trying to make the point and transition. Oh, yes, but, uh, yeah. We've tra- we championed. You know, we got to unbreak the Christian dating, and by we, we mean someone other than us because. Right. Yeah, eh, you know, we got a lot to do. Yeah, or most of it's you know watching cartoons, but we got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. No, so here's the thing: we you know you gotta we gotta get over the uh, the Christian dating thing here. We gotta move on past this. And sometimes you know we we get emails in from people who say you know uh, we're we I did it. I asked someone out. Can we get an email say I, we both listen to the podcast. We're getting married. Yeah, heard you know my uh, our friends Mike and Nicole had a baby. What we you made know? that That's happen. Right. That's not legally or in any other way true. We were not there. We were not party to that. Um, but, you but know. They did name the baby after at least one of us, right? Right. Sure. Oh, well, okay. We got uh, David Lauren. We got an email from our friend Wendy, who's, uh, who's newly uh, betrothed, and her husband enjoys the show as well. So it's all great. Absolutely. And so in those moments, it's easy to think that, you know, we're making some progress here. Yeah. And this, this giant war against Christmas breaking dating, we're, we're, you know, we're establishing a beachhead. We're doing it. Yeah. But then we have some less encouraging reports from the field. Okay. This email came in last week from uh, our friend Stephanie, who actually goes to a church in the Chicagoland area, uh, part of a small group with some other uh, Say That Super fans who have uh, previously uh, broke it into the underground layer. Yeah. Whoa. So, uh, you know. Stalkers. Pretty pretty close to the center of the Say That universe, I think it's fair to say. But uh, she, she wrote in and shared with me that we're making some big steps backwards here. Okay. There's a large uh, megachurch network here in the Chicagoland area. There's many of them, but this mm. one in particular, um, they've had a lot of side projects over the years. Uh, terrible Movie Studio. Mm. Um, please let that be the actual name of the movie studio. It would be far more honest, yes. Yeah, anything else would be almost liableless. Yeah. Well, it is named after this megachurch network, so it's, you know, whatever the name of it is, we're not going to name it. Movie Studio. And the circles we work in, that word is co-equal with terrible. Yeah. So, you know, that's close enough. Um, They've been um, slush fund for their uh, 
lead celebrity pastor's massive gambling problem, which bankrupted them. Oops. That's bad. That's kind of a side project. You yeah. know? You're certainly putting a lot of resources to it. Yeah. But it turns out they've done something else. They've put out an app. Oh. Now, lots of churches have apps. You know, you right. Know, it's where they, you know, you can look at the sermon series and yeah. download the note thing. Some are pretty good. You know, they're helpful. Right. You l- right. listen to the music we're going to play on Sunday. So that's all. This oh, is not a that. Bible on there? Yeah. Like a, well, this is not that. Oh. This is a dating app. Uh-oh. Specifically for members of this megachurch now. Okay. <laughs> now, and there are some, some aspects of this that really need to be examined. Okay. So, uh, so I, you know, the normal things you can see on if you go to social media somewhere, you know, name, age, where they're from, where they went to school, whatever. This one you can see job title, parental status, marital status, campus location. Okay. So that's great. And here's the, the real kicker on this. Well, one I'll share. So you'd assume that only members of this church would download this. Right. So it's kind of a self-selecting population. Right. Um, it currently has uh, something like 40 reviews on, on iTunes, on the App Store, and it only uh, aggregates to a three out of five. Okay. Oh, wow. By far, the most of them are one stars. Oh. There's a bunch of five stars, which are clearly from people who work for the church who just <laughs> didn't download it and rated it five stars. The, the, the plants. Yeah, so it's not going great. And at that ratio, I think some of your plants may have turned. <laughs> yeah, there may have been some rebellion here. <laughs> That's really bad. Yeah. Mutiny. But here's the thing, and this is where not only they're not unbreaking Christian dating, as we, we bid them to do, yes, they're making please. things worse. So, you know, normally you have, uh, it's pretty binary about dating stuff. It's yes right. or no. Right. You a swipe them. Yeah, thumb up or thumb down. A swipe left or a swipe right. Right. This I, one has the two options are not for me and, <laughs> wait for it, maybe. <laughs> the closest we get to yes is maybe. Let me tell you what. If, if I would work up the courage to ask you out, and apparently I could just do that on Sunday when I see your face, <laughs> or I can courageously... Wait until later. <laughs> that would be the weirdest. Get a, you get, got the thing, the, th- the, the whatever it is, from somebody who goes to the same campus as well, you. Because you see the gal and you think she's pretty, you go to the app, right? That's the, you know. Get to swiping. She, and she looks at you and realizes you're on the other side of the room. Like, what kind of a coward is this dude? Then she looks at it and she's got, you know, she says, maybe. If you're the dude, you're sitting there saying... Maybe. <laughs> uh, well, let's point out that's not necessarily her fault because yeah, that's, that's, that's the only as, option. Right, that's I mean, as good as it gets with this app. I, I need to hear like a yes or a no because I can't go on a maybe date. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe I go there and just hope that you show up. Sure. Maybe she's coming. I don't know. You know. Here, like when you a, go to the restaurant and they say how many and you say well, one, maybe two. Maybe. <laughs> well, somebody be joining you tonight, sir. Let's hope. <laughs> here's another thing about this: is I absolutely promise you that when you log in, like when you 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 register your account, that uh-huh. you've got to give your like giving pledge card uh, number. Like that's a required. You know what I mean? It's like okay. that this sure. is like. I filled out our pledge card to give to this mega church network. I've got to have that number, like that thing. Re- that's a required part of the sign-in process. A, I guarantee you that's part of it. 
too, there, when Matt was talking about this, he said that part of the one of the one of the things was uh, they have personality type, and I just hope and pray that the personality type are all like biblical personalities. Like yes, uh, like uh, you know, I I dated him for a little while, but he was a real Balaam's donkey. So I just did, you know, wow, yeah, wow. you know, like. She's an Abigail, and I'm more of a you know like I, I'm I'm more suited to like Rebecca's. So you know, the, there's right. a lot of possibilities in there you can really kind of play with as far as you know the guys coding the the algorithm. You know, right, 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 right. That what Lee just made up off the top of his head to be funny makes just as much sense to me as the Enneagram. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is the thing. Let's let's say this. We're glad someone's trying something. That's Are they? Well, they are almost <laughs> not. Also, I mean, you know. We, we could just be data mining. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're definitely data mining. There's no doubt about that. We're, we're, let's, let's be perfectly clear that that's happening. But here's, here's what I'm talking about is I think we're skipping a step, which is Hey, every, this is you could just record this audio and then play it on Sunday, and right. then then you're ready to move forward with all the stuff you want to do on this. Here's what it is. Hey, hey guys, um, we really, really didn't want y'all to have sex with each other mm. before you married, because like everybody does that now, mm. and that's it's not good you get your unwanted pregnancies you get uh, turmoil you get the things it changes the life and the thing and it's not in the bible and everything so here's what it is we said how do we cop stop them from getting on top of each other and going at it like rabbits well we said you know what's great for that is try and scare the bejeebers out of them sure so we found this guy who didn't know anything about dating or marriage or counseling or ministering to people or writing a book. Yes. And we said, <laughs> give us a book that will scare the bejeevers out of people. He wrote that thing, and I mean, he went at it. Yes. And then we told all of y'all it's great, and y'all don't, y'all don't think about what we say. So you just went and got it. It was terrible, full of insane advice. And it scared the bejeebers out of you. Well, guess what? None of y'all had sex with one another, and we felt pretty good You're about that. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Mission accomplished. So we felt like that's it. Then we are dealing now with a wave of uh, uh, neuroses, psychoses, and uh, basic uh, lack of ability to function in the dating department. So we realized we, realized we went a little overboard. Yeah, got to dial it back. So uh, we were wrong. We were really just trying to deal with the rabbit element of this. So now, let's all date. Yeah. So you could do that, see? Sure. Then you're ready to move forward with your app. Now the healing can begin. Now the healing can <laughs> begin. But but giving people who are scared to death of interacting with each other an app and letting them talk on their phones across the room about with swiping and maybes, that feels like weak tea to me. Sure. Well, I think the, the main problem there is we wanted your parents' money, so we scared you about sex, but now we want your money, and our consultants told us the number one group that gives money to churches is young families, and we realized we actually stopped young families from occurring. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is a little wordy for the title of the app. <laughs> yes. But 
Rest assured, that's what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. And I say the only thing that keeps people going to churches is that they're in their thirties and they have some kids. Yep. And uh, somebody said, "Well, the funny thing about that is we let a nineteen-year-old write a book." Right. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> and, and so, it, yeah. What else you got? Yeah, that's that. That's what it is. But here's what I'm saying: Can you do a roller disco skating app? Sure. Because I'm going to give you the most enthusiastic response to that inquiry I can muster. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> and because we're not going to top that joke, yes. I declare emergency off. That's great. Oh, that's. Yes, there's no maybe about Bridgebox. Though. Ooh. Bridgebox should warrant. Bridgebox is definitely not yes. for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jed, a large part of the populace feels that way. But there are some people, some wonderful people, who decided the Bridgebox, they're going to give it. A super maybe. Ooh. Also known in pre-megachurch times as a yes. <laughs> Can yeah, we make maybe. the button at missionusa.com slash bridgebox where instead of sign up, it just says, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what what is wrong with people? What is wrong with you? The the, the, the thing is not a it's thumbs a hand up. Motion. It's just a hand. A, yeah, the hand on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you take this woman to be your wife who let it? Yeah, maybe. Too much time together. That's literally the thing I was about to say. <laughs> Jen and I spend a lot of time together. Anyway, a part of the time we spend together is making Bridgebox yes. double connective tissue to yes. get that segue going. Mm. Uh, com slash Bridgebox, only $8 a month, the number one way that folks who like the podcast can support the work we do in Chicago or in what Lee does down there, folks with Trouble C. Songs, sermons, Bible studies, lots of good stuff. We are still in the month of December where our topic is how do I build a church family Jed is now being very impressed that I actually remember the topic because I almost never do. But uh, so new thing that comes out on the first of every month, and that's not a maybe. No. That will happen. <laughs> yeah. Some week, some months, it almost kills Jed. <laughs> but it, and it comes out on the first every dang month. We are super appreciative to our Bridgebox subscribers. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. We're going to jump to our first question here. Hang on this all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in somewhat on topic and says... Came in honestly with our Tumblr inbox. How do you get over the forever alone feeling? Yeah. I want to wait to have sex when I'm married, but all my peers seem to be active beforehand, and I feel as though if I don't compromise, I'll never be able to stay in a relationship. How do you get over this? I know the enemy feeds us lies, but I don't want my reality to be forever alone either. I'm torn, and this is exhausting. Now, Glenn, I think this is... Uh, we, we joke about mm. the Christians because... Mm. They've warranted it. Yes. But there, I think there is a, a corollary in this, and the, the Forever Alone is kind of the, the secular internet version of that, of mm. kind of, we've talked before about putting off this figure part of your life, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, and it just grows in yeah. your psyche so much. Yeah, yeah. Then we get to the point where I think that's part of the enemy does here. Is we, we seem to be, let's start with, I think it's fair to say, we, we our friend is facing a false choice here of mm. premarital sex now. Yeah. Right. Or never being in a relationship with anyone. And that's not a healthy perspective to have. We understand how we got there. Yeah. That's really not the good foot to start from, right? Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, the, you know we, could, we could spend a lot of time talking about the very legitimate ways we get to this place, even though the thinking has some, some flaws in it. 
uh, ultimately, I mean, I think we've used this analogy before, but you know that feeling when you're when you're sick and you've been sick for a couple of weeks. It literally feels hard to remember what it was like yeah. when you weren't sick. Yeah, that's right. And it kind of is hard to picture not being sick mm. in the future. It's just weird how our brains work that way. So if you've been a, a single for a long time, haven't been dating anybody for quite a little while, it does begin to feel like this is some form of destiny, and it's always going to be that way. So yeah, that's. We can all understand that. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, it, well, and let's also say this. We can easily understand the calculus of, I feel like if I insist that I not have sex before I'm married, that that limits the pool of guys that I want to, that, that I might want to marry and so forth. You know, there's the, it's, it's shrinking the potential uh, uh, there, there are people who will say no to a date with me who would not have otherwise said no That's based right. on that choice. That's right. Uh, we would like to point out that those people do not belong in the pool of people that you should consider dating. Right. Yeah. So that really doesn't shrink that pool down at all. If you declare you're not going to eat raw meat, it does cut down the number of things you can eat for dinner. Right. That's Turns right. Turns out there's still plenty of options. That's yeah. absolutely right. Um, uh, I think that uh, so all of that. I think that the thinking with dating, uh, again, it's a legit thought, even though the logic doesn't totally bear out. Uh, the 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 thinking is, uh, I need to have to draw on the widest possible number of people because it's a percentage game. A certain percentage of these people in this space is going to share my values. A certain percentage of them are going to be decent human beings, a certain percentage of them will be kind and generous and loving, a certain percentage, smaller percentage of them are going to be attracted to me, and so on and so forth. So it just feels like I'm whittling all these choices down, and I'm going to get down to like three guys, and I have to pick <laughs> one, and what if all three of them kind of suck, and then I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be alone forever. Yep. Uh, here's the thing, that is not uh, that that mental image you have of these these options being pared down is the problem here. That's mm. not how dating works, uh, because that min- mindset is based on the idea of you you whittle them down and you're you're left with whatever, and and those people find you and then you marry one of them. Uh-huh. Uh, the amount of dating that you do depends on how assertive you are in the dating process. The, the, it doesn't, the pool doesn't matter. What matters is, do you go out and ask people out? If you, ask, if you say, hey, you know, I don't know you that well, but would you like to get a cheeseburger and talk about our lives and values and thoughts and feelings? If that really stinks, you move on to the next one and you ask the, the guy <laughs> sitting next to him, hey, would you like to, you know, this is how, so uh, I think... This thinking of looking at the uh, the available pool of partners uh, is not going to tell you how much dating you're going to do. You're going to do as much dating as you aggressively get out there and make happen. So and that, whether that's whether that's using a goofy app, whether that's going uh, on a dating site, whether it's just asking people out. But can I just say use one little thing to to put a a, 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 a button on this as we send it around. I think when we say dating, you may be thinking something different. I'm talking about getting a cup of coffee and just getting to know somebody. 
Uh, if that's you want to call that an appointment or just a getting to know you thing, that's perfect. That's fine. That's what you need. And you need to do as much of that as is humanly possible. You need to meet all different kinds of guys. You might sit down with a guy that, that just, he just doesn't, you're not sure. And you get to talking to him, and you realize there's depths there and there's connections there, and he just makes you laugh, and you're, and then you get it. It clicks. And sometimes it's this guy, and you build it up in your mind that he's so perfect, he's so perfect. And then you get to talking to him, and you're like, uh, he was very pretty in the face, and that made me think that he was perfect. But the more he started talking, the more I realized, hey, no, I don't want to be stuck with that for the rest of my life. We all look the same when the lights go out, so forget that. So, you know, getting a mindset going of being assertive and aggressive is how you beat that forever alone thinking, and yeah, that's how yeah, you actually yeah. find a, a good relationship. Yeah, it's a great point, and I'd love to to pick up there. Uh, one thing we can certainly say is, um, much like if you have an idea written by a 19-year-old Christian author who's never been in a serious relationship, we can, we can look at the source of that and say, this may not be conducive to good advice. The same goes of if you're worried about living into a meme that came from Reddit. Yep. That's probably not a place for level-headed good, good thoughts come from. But we don't understand kind of being overwhelmed by the, the uh, negative feeling of that, especially if you are in a place in your life where you are lonely. To, as Glenn is saying, kind of that thought that you'll never not feel this way can be a powerful thing. And, but our friend in the question mentions, you know, I know the enemy feeds us lies. And certainly one of those is almost always, here's this one easy thing you can do right now. Sure. That will mean you don't have to feel these bad things anymore. Um, we, I was in the, the county jailer today. It's full of people. who bought into that particular calculus. Yep. Didn't go great. And on one of those here is this idea of, um, if you're saying, I don't want to feel lonely. So the solution I have been proffered to that is, premarital sex, even setting aside Christianity, even setting aside morality for a moment, um, have you watched the TV shows or the movies? Because they're all about people having tons of sex with tons of incredibly, unbelievably attractive people. And then the back half of every episode is them sitting around worrying they're going to be alone forever. uh, How I Met Your Mother got nine seasons out of that exact thing happening every episode. So let's... uh, I think all that to say, the, the emotion of the situation that the enemy may be trying to feed us one problem with one solution. Is it possible there's a different problem going on here? Yeah, that's a great question. Let's say this. I think we need some, some left and right limits in order to, to look at this. The first is, to be clear, you say that you, you've got that, that forever alone feeling. You want to not be alone. And it feels like the, the only answer is to start having sex. Um, not being alone and having sex are not the same thing. That's right. Like at all, at all. Um, and here's part of the reason for that. If you are with a person who doesn't share your core values, you're still alone. Mm. Let me repeat that. Cause I want you to hear that. I want you to think about that. If you are with a person who does not share your core values, they don't care about the things that you really care about. They're not pursuing the things you're pursuing. They're not trying to you know, make life be a certain way the way that you are. You're still alone. You, you may have someone that you engage in coitus with, and you may be able to physically, literally share a bed at the end of the day. Man, you're alone. Um, unity, in a sense, um, boils down to unity of purpose. Uh, if you don't have a sense of shared purpose with this other person, then you don't have much in the way of unity. That's kind of an unavoidable thing. So 
what we're left with is I have this huge, big honking problem of being alone and I super hate it. And let's be clear. I don't blame you for that. Neither should anybody else. It sucks to feel lonely. Um, And and to whatever extent you are alone, and and to be clear, being alone and feeling lonely aren't the same thing. But to whatever extent you are alone, we're sorry for it. And we'd we'd really love to see you make some headway on that. Part of that has to do with your romantic life. That's actually not the whole of it. Um, If you're alone, you also need platonic friendships in your life and and, and, uh, good uh, spiritual mentors in your life. We may want to look at those things, too. Um, But you feel lonely. Maybe you are alone. And the thing is, we've got some stuff that's claiming it will be a quick fix. It won't. Uh, Matt's exactly right. And here's the funny thing. The stuff that we're telling you to do actually won't be a quick fix either. It will move you ultimately in the direction that you really want to go. And in the long term, it will pay off. But it's not a quick fix for... um, the pain of of feeling lonely. Everything Glenn told you is spot on, but if you go on like a dozen kind of crappy dates in a row, you're still going to feel pretty lonely at the end of those dozen crappy dates. You will, in the spirit of like physical training, you will be closer to your goal and actually a lot closer than you, than you would think. And that's really, really valuable. But this pain of feeling lonely may still be there. So what we've got is a situation where we don't like the way we feel pretty understandably. So, We've got some things that feel like they would help and wouldn't. We've got other things that actually would help but may not make us feel better in the short term. So what do we do with that? Well, we do two things. Uh, A, we take it one day at a time. Uh, We can't solve this problem all in one go. We recognize that God understands how we feel. God understands how hard this is, how difficult this process is, that he's with us in the midst of it, and that our day will come, that that God has a plan, God has um, a design on this. He, It's a process, as Glenn rightly points out, he wants us to participate in, and we really want to participate responsibly in this thing that God is doing. But God has a plan. Your day will come. He's with you, and the way that we get there is by responsibly participating one day at a time. It's a really, really good point there. And Leah, let me pick up uh, something there. I think you're, you're particularly well positioned to talk about this with working with kind of a high school age coach folks, college age folks. There's a part of this that is we are someone is being offered a quick, as Jed put it, a quick and easy solution. And really no solution to this is going to be quick and easy. So any healthy solution to this situation is going to involve the, the advice that you have to uh, endure something unpleasant. Yes. Which yeah. is a bad sales pitch, as we pointed out, as Jed said on a recent episode, uh, the devil is above all a salesman. Yeah. So the the sales pitch is always this magic these magic beans are going to fix it right now. But the actual advice sometimes is this will involve some unpleasantness for longer than we want to and how do we how do we push through that and arrive at a place of at least being okay with that for right now. So that that's a that's a great way to ask that and and I love that Jed said, you know, just in an honest way with you, what you're doing, what, what you're going through sucks. And um and and another thing he said in in his response was that 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 God is for you in this, and by the way, you can talk to Him about that. You can tell Amen. God, um, I don't like this, and I think it sucks that I have to wait um, on this, and I think it sucks that I can't immediately right now have the thing that that I'm I'm most 
longing for. You guys can have that conversation. And that's and that's where you're going to start to build something that that is going to mean something to you with the Lord. But here's the thing is you get to choose. Um, you get to choose the suckiness of waiting and not having the relationship that you want to right now. Or you can choose to do what most people do, which is I'm going to go ahead and um, in in wanting to close the gap between, you know, I don't want to be alone. So I'm going to substitute sex for the thing that I really, really want, which by the way, in case you don't know, the thing you really, really want is something called intimacy. And as these guys are saying, it's not something that you can get overnight and it's not something that you can get from an orgasm. Um, and, and the problem is, is that everything in your culture and everything in your, uh, and everything in your experience with any kind of sexual stuff, the idea is if that, that sex can solve all of that, um, that's what everybody's saying. And here's what you need to know. And if nobody's ever told you this, everyone is lying about what sex gives them. Say that. Everyone. Everyone is lying about sex. Every movie that you've ever watched, every television show, every song that you've ever heard about the sex that people are having and the and the way it just changes their whole relationship and how they just met each other and they stayed up all night and it just made them best friends and everything, that is all such, such a lie. And here's the thing is that everybody that's experienced sex without intimacy knows that there's really not that much to it. It feels good. It can be fun. And, but as Glenn said, it brings a lot of confusion. It brings, uh, I like how Glenn said, the turmoil. It brings the turmoil <laughs> with, with the direct, uh, you know, the direct object, the, the turmoil. It brings a lot of confusion. It brings a lot of pain. It, bring, it can bring a lot of jealousy. It can bring a lot of craziness that you didn't even plan on. And by the way, you don't know each other. So you don't even know what you're doing. And so there's all this complicated mess. Here's the problem. That's the thing we were banking on. We were banking on the sex. To, to bring the intimacy. Now that that didn't work, I can't possibly admit that. So I've got to make that the end-all be-all. It's the thing. The sex is the thing. Here's the deal. You were made for intimacy, and you deserve that. You deserve intimacy, but that takes a long time, man. And so you can either, uh, you can either talk honestly with the Lord about the difficult thing that you're going through now and how hard it is to, to, to be in this place where you're longing for something that you can't have right now at the end of listening to us talk about this. Um, or, you can, or you can go ahead and, and, and do the thing, go ahead and, and have a sexual relationship with somebody, and you're going to find, I didn't get it, I didn't get, that didn't get it either. And um, what most people do is they do whatever they want to do. And we can't judge you for that because uh, we have. We, you know, I, I, I can speak for myself. I've done whatever I wanted to do. Um, and I'm telling you what, it didn't work. And everybody I knew lied about it. And, you know, and, and that's the way that thing works out. But you deserve to have intimacy. And you deserve to figure out how cool a thing God has planned for you. And sex with intimacy, super cool. 
I mean, we just can't express how cool and amazing that can be in a committed marriage where you have the safety of the promise and you've built something together. It is a super fun, super cool, super encouraging thing without all that confusion, without all that shame, without all the weirdness, without, as Glenn said, the turmoil. And that's what you're looking for. And we can move towards that by doing exactly what Glenn said at the very beginning of this deal. It's a fantastic point. These guys really covered that. I don't have anything to add content-wise, but I do have uh, two jokes I didn't get to say at the time. Yes. Okay. Uh, one is 12 Crappy First Dates is the worst Drew Barrymore movie. Yes. All right. And um, I'm pretty sure the turmoil is what they called HPV during the First World War. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's well played, Got sent back from the front because he, uh, he got the turmoil. Yeah. Okay. And it happened all the time. So if you when you read that in All Quiet on the Western Front, that's what they Some, Sometimes okay. the listeners okay. don't get the, the behind-the-curtain peek into the jokes we share on text message while the recording is going on. Yeah, that uh, one was so good. It, it got workshopped on the on the text message thread and got premiered on the on the show here. We are going to move on to our second question here. Qu- quickly enough, we cannot. Uh, this question said, came in anonymously that says, working hard versus overworking. As Christians, we are called to go above and beyond. We work hard, but then are called upon to do more and more because of our good work ethic. How do we balance this? Jed, I'd like you to start off, and if you uh, would uh, be so kind as to uh, entirely undermine and decimate the premise of this question, I would be much obliged. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my brother, I need you to learn to say no. <laughs> yes, please. The magic, magic word, no. You wrote, um, as Christians, we are called to go above and beyond. I don't know that that's exactly true. No, we're called to work at everything as unto the Lord. Yeah. But that's not what that means. Yeah, it's not. Uh, Got to give 110% of the things that you have that you could give. That's mathematically <laughs> impossible, but I appreciate that. Um, so let's talk. Jed always ruins my motivation with math. Yeah. Let's talk about this thing called boundaries because it's a really valuable thing, both for this and for other stuff in life. So, what's boundaries? Boundaries, I'm about to explain. I'm glad you asked, Glenn. I got very Mr. Wizard on the podcast here for a second. <laughs> Hey, Jed, what's boundaries? Well, Glenjamin, boundaries... (laughs) Boundaries are being clear first with yourself about what you are and are not okay with in your life. Uh, Behavior that you are and are not okay with, um, attitudes that you are and are not okay with, situations that you are and are not okay with, and... This is the thing. Actually, everybody has boundaries, um, but not everybody thinks through them intentionally. Uh, and if you if you want to get good value out of them, you you really for sure super duper need to think through them intentionally. And, and boundaries are a good thing. Uh, if you're if you're not sure it's it's a good thing, it's a healthy thing, it's a godly thing. Again, to be clear on things I'm okay with and things that I'm not okay with. So you write in your question that presumably in your life, people are asking you to work more than is healthy or appropriate. Well, that's a boundary issue. They, they are asking you to be out of balance in your life. They are asking you to overdo things. And so they are running afoul, hopefully, of boundaries that you're setting for yourself. So then the answer when someone is trying to violate your boundaries is to say no. I'm, I'm not going to do that. You can say it politely. You can say it respectfully. You can say it with all gentility. But you do need to say no. Um, they, they say, hey, you gave us 100%. How about 110%? No, I'm not going to do that. 
Um, now, the funny thing is you may never have seen anyone do that before. So that, that may feel like a very, very foreign concept, but that's actually the way forward. Um, how that conversation should take place or needs to take place is going to depend a lot on the specifics, right? So if it's, oh, I don't know, somebody at church wants you to volunteer for an extra thing when you don't have time to do that versus your boss wants you to come in on Saturday to help get the Jenkins account in order. You need to to express that no in a very different way in those two situations because there's just social structures in place. But particularly if people are consistently asking you to live in an unbalanced way, asking you to overwork and overdo, then you got to say no. That's that's the way forward. But I think in order to understand part of why, we need to go back and look at the assumption you had in your question. You said, as Christians, we are called to go above and beyond. We really need to take a closer look at that. Mm. God is calling you to do a good job with the things that you do. He, he is. He is not calling you to be superhuman with the right. things that you do. Um, that's not a Christian idea at all. It's not a sane idea, and it's also not a possible idea. My guess is that you've had people in your life, and and maybe, you know, a lot of people in your life suggest to you that being a Christian means being the A triple plus student on everything, all the time, (laughs) no exceptions. Bees make baby Jesus cry. They certainly do. (laughs) You know what B is for? Bad Christian. Now... That's right. Here's the thing about being the A triple plus student on everything is you can't do that and neither can anybody else. That's that's simply not possible. And it's an overcompensation thing. Just like we've been talking about earlier in this episode, all that I custodian goodbye nonsense they did hoping to scare you into not having sex. Same thing here. People obsessing over everything has to be A triple plus. They're doing hoping that you won't flunk out of school. That's that's what we're trying to do. Um, But the problem is we often don't see that overcompensation that's going on. No one can give their A game at everything. That's that's just not possible. And God is not expecting you to. Uh, We all have to pick and choose our battles. And perhaps the most important battle that we that we have to learn to do is to set and maintain and enforce boundaries for ourselves and know when to say no and have the courage to gently and respectfully but firmly say it when we need to. It's a fantastic place to start off. And Lee, I'd love to go to you here. Um, the on the uh yeah, the work ethic thing, which is an important part of this. Yeah. I think as Jed has started us off with, there's this con there's this idea people try to pull, parents sometimes, church people sometimes, all sorts of different people, where they take, you know, Jesus y stuff, and where that's good. We want that. And then they try to fold in other stuff they just think is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just kind of get it all in there because Jesus stuff is good and this stuff is good. So it's all good stuff. So, you know, we'll just kind of put it all in the same level. That could be, I don't know, patriotism. That could be, uh, you know, work ethic is a big one. Um, that could be, you know, what, what are they considering, you know, character and whatnot, a firm handshake. Yeah. But the problem there is uh, the Bible doesn't say anything positive about work ethic. So yeah. it can still be a good thing, but it's not a bible thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. We make uh, we make these like smoothies for our kids, like a fruit smoothie, and you can actually sneak in like a, a lot of like spinach and carrots, and and it doesn't change the color at all, and it still tastes good. And th- and there was a certain point where they realized they were like, "Wait, what's that? What's all that stuff you're putting in the blender?" Oh, well, that's spinach and carrots. 
what? You know? It was like... You're sneaking vegetables past me, old man. Are you kidding? My whole life is a lie. You know? Just like... Yeah, people sneak a lot of stuff into into the Jesus-y stuff because... It like if you're not paying attention, it sort of sounds like it's the same deal, you know. Like oh, that that kind of that kind of maybe tracks, I guess. But here's the thing: is that whole work ethic thing that is a competitive lie. Um, that the the gospel of Jesus completely sets you free from. The gospel says that you were saved apart from works. Um, you are free. From all of that stuff, and actually, you're you're not uh, you're, you're not being judged on your merit. That's the whole point of the gospel. It's a, which is very it's good news. It's very freeing. It's very it's it's a very that's a relief uh, for dudes like me who had never had a prayer of of you know making the whole A plus thing and and loves a good loaf just to loaf. You know that's that's all great news. Um, what the what the Bible actually says is, for instance, in Hebrews chapter four, it says that there remains for God's people a Sabbath rest, and he talks about Jesus being like the Sabbath for God's people. the The Sabbath was an Old Testament idea. It's actually a Hebrew word, and people always say that that that, that word means uh, rest. It's translated it's translated rest, but um, it actually means stop. That's what it means. Stop. You just stop. Just put it down, man. Um, and he says, you need to do whatever it takes to enter into that rest. Um, that is a healthy and a good thing. That's what you're supposed to do. We're, Jesus said, I, I came that they might have, a li- have life and that they would have an abundant life. That's what you're supposed to have. Yeah, you're supposed, you're, you know, it's like we're supposed to do things to the glory of God or whatever, but you're also called to have chill, balance, abundance, fun, healthy just and and whole days of the a whole day of the week where you just stop everything. So I think that you have the right to reject that idea and uh and move into the the freedom of the good news, man. I think it's a fantastic point. I'd love to uh trans- give hand it over to Glenn here to close out. And I don't know if you had anything in your notes about the Sabbath, but No. Look on your face, like maybe you No, you, it's not that that was my exact First point I was going to point out, and Lee stole it in a way that I think is very unchristian. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have the notes, so he didn't really st- steal them. But you seem undeterred by that. Uh, completely undeterred. All right. Well, let's get let's, let's move on to your second point. Uh, no, um, but it, I will it, not be deterred. <laughs> so, and why should you? Yes. It's great. It's it's, it's it's an important point. I think it does tie to this kind of larger idea we're looking at of yes, working hard. I guess, but you know. Uh, being effective at your job and doing the tasks set before you is 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 good, and there's plenty in the Bible about you know p- you know working as if from the Lord. That's kind of what that means. You know, being mm-hmm. being organized, being efficient, you know, uh, d- being re- reliable and responsible. Those are all good. That's super different than always doing more. Right. So how how maybe how do we find that sense of I have done enough that does seem a little bit of what's missing here but well yeah i think the 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 problem in figuring out how to do enough is that we're well i suppose it's that we're not looking for that uh we're not looking for where is that line where is that boundary is as joe mm-hmm. was talking about what i'm trying to do here is i'm trying to find something that i can do 
uh, to the point of overdoing it and feel as though I don't need to understand the situation. I don't need to uh, make adjustments and have a nuanced approach to things. I don't need to have a free flow of wisdom on the changing nature of my situation. I don't need to participate in this Christian life hardly at all because Mm -hmm. I bodily go through one thing to the point of overdoing it. And here's the great thing about overdoing it. This is what legalistic people really love about uh, uh, being legalistic. It's that I'm so busy doing this thing the Bible says, I can't do anything that God's telling me to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm sorry, God, if you don't like that, but that's how it is. Some of us care about the Bible. Exactly God. right. <laughs> That's exact. So somebody's going to get to the pearly gates, and that's where they're going to float out. Is hey, oh, many I, people. Yeah, we yeah. know what denomination they're from. Yeah, you. Hey, look, I read it in the Bible. I was doing the heck out of that. Sure, you were telling me to do something else, but I was doing the heck out of this thing, and I just overdid it. So I get double credit on that, even if I get zero credit on the other. So it evens out, and I'm perfectly <laughs> fine. This is not you know how what? this works. Dude. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Here's here's the thing. Uh, the The goal is not to overdo any of this stuff. That's that. There's no extra credit. There is no A plus plus. As, as as Jed's talking about, um, it's important to be diligent. That's good. Being organized, being being available. That's really important. Really important. Uh, the, if there are, uh, I've said this to every pastor I've worked with, do not ever for the rest of your life say this phrase, I'm busy. Don't ever say those words. Mm. Never, never. That's death to ministry. I'm busy. What does that mean? I am talking to other people who are more important than you and doing things more important than dealing with your problems. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for your problems because I'm important. That's what you mean when you say I'm busy. Don't ever say that. Don't let other people say you're busy. I know you're busy, but I... No, I'm not busy. Don't say that. Don't put that on me. I have a full schedule. (laughs) I have a lot going on, but I ain't busy. I got time for everything that's important. Because that's the real point here, is God's calling you to do some stuff, and he's calling you to do some resting. And you are... If you're going to be obedient to God, you need to work when he says work, and you need to rest when he says rest. Amen. And the the problem is we got half the world that won't get off their butts and do what God wants them to do ever. The other half are got the, the 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 throttle stuck wide open and can't come the heck off of it for five minutes. And the Lord can't tell them anything about having a day of rest and, and disengaging from that. And they're going to overload. They're going to burn out. Uh, so just as diligent and organized and available are important, so is getting rest, peace, and, and being flexible. Flexible is actually mm-hmm. super important in your walk. Being able to go to God and, and regroup and change based on a changing situation that you're dealing with. If you get a little, let's say somebody has an emergency and you pour yourself out a little bit extra on that, well, does that mean I'm still supposed to do this thing I said I was going to do when they asked me in church? If I do that thing, that means now I'm on overload. Does that mean I don't go to this other thing? Does that mean I take a break on something else down the line? I'm being flexible. I'm, I'm adjusting my schedule based on what's going on. I'm not going by a mentality of more is better. That's actually anti-biblical. As, as, as Lee pointed out in a very deep and profound way uh, that other people had already thought of first and had already written down on the notes, 
that God created the Sabbath, and the thing that made the Sabbath holy was the resting. It wasn't the working, it was the resting. Nobody ever said holiness and uh, work go together. Holiness and rest go together. I remember uh, with Adam, right, you know, and you're in the Garden of Eden and whatever, and the, God's handing out curses, and here's what he said, you're going to work the land. That's that was kind of the first one. Yeah, that's the, fir- that's the first curse that rolled out the box is you're going to have to work now. <laughs> 2,000, 6,000, 8,000 years later, we're working on, uh, hey, you know, let's do some work. That's a good thing. That makes us godly and holy Fair and perfect. Set you free. Yeah. No. That is, we have to get to a place where we're letting God lead us into work, into rest, into uh, hanging back, into not accomplishing all the things, not trying to meet everybody else's expectations, not overdoing anything but following him where he leads. It's a fantastic point. That's all really good stuff. And I would just close this out by pointing out there, we talked about this before, there are times and periods where in certain instances, certain professions, people just have to work 80, 90 hour weeks. Right. You know, you're, you're doing your medical residency. You just made partner at the firm. It's a whole thing. The thing that differentiates that from this is that's not meant to be a forever way of life. The thing that's good about that is that it is part of you moving up you, your kind of your, your uh, progression there. That that certainly happens to all of us in this podcast. We, we all have times where we've worked 20 hour days. Absolutely. The good thing about that is not the 20 hour day. That's actually the huge bummer about that. And we're all very um, careful in our best times. And sometimes our bosses uh, yell at us to be careful mm-hmm. that if we had a 20-hour day, yeah. it means somewhere online we need to have a two-hour day. That's right. Because that's right. otherwise you just lose your complete and total mind. Yep. So when we talk about balance, that's what we're talking about. As, mm-hmm. as, as Glenn is saying, this is about constantly checking in and adapting to the situation before us. What we don't want to do is get to the point where, as Glenn is saying, work is good. Working hard is good. Being a responsible you know, employee is good. All those things are fine. But they're not just good in ad infinitum. Right. There's not no such thing as no place where that can be bad. Right. Anything can be bad, as, as we often talk about on the show. Sin is not doing what God is calling you to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So as, as Glenn's pointing out, if you're being called to rest and you're working, that's just as sinful yep. as resting when you're being you called you're to bendy. work. Yeah. That's the exact same thing. So as some of this is deprogramming yourself from other messages you may have gotten from parents, schools, coaches, whatever. But there's a way to do that. And the fun thing is when you start doing it, you will see the results. You will see that it makes you happier, that it makes you more effective at things you want to do. And that will start to build some momentum there. All right, we'll move on to our final question here. Comes in anonymously to our email address, and it says, while talking about toxic people a few episodes ago and how to deal with them, you repeatedly mentioned the idea of having an inner circle of people you can trust. I find that really hard to deal with as I feel like I'm in a situation where I don't really have anyone that I can trust in that way. I'm often told that I'm very mature for my age. However, uh, despite the serious commitment I have in my faith and issues that that is causing my life, many of the youth workers I know that I've spoken to about them seem uncomfortable addressing me as an equal, being that they're youth workers and I'm with youth. That makes sense and seems natural. But I want that kind of two-way relationship you guys talked about. How can I get this, or is this even something God wants for me. Well, it is, so we can clear that up on the jump before I even send the around to these guys for the hard part. But, Lee, I'd like to start off with you here. And it is something we talk about on the show, but I, I worry that sometimes we skip over some of the, the nuts and bolts of that. It is important to have 
these two-way relationships. It's important to have, you know, accountability. Some people would, would call that, you know, these friendships. But especially, and I know in the lives of all four people in the show, that's not a thing that happens overnight. That's yeah. not a thing you're never without for a period. So let's say we're at zero. We, we have a, a young friend here has bought into this idea that this is a good thing. They don't exactly know where to go with that. Let's, let's give them some first steps. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of different ways to take this. And, and one place I'd like to encourage you, and this specifically, specifically comes out of my experience uh, with, with the work that I do. Um, the thing that I would s- say at the jump is don't write off everybody your age quite yet. Don't give up on everybody your age quite yet. You know, the, the, the people that are around you are not mature enough for the kind of relationship that you're looking for. Maybe. Uh, maybe you've got some immature people in your direct circle. Um, but one of the things that I've found in working with young people for a, a really, really long time is that there is a sense at, at, of the kind of maturity level of, of like high school kids and college kids. And then... When you do this magical thing called really spending time with them, really, really serving them, really, really uh, putting some effort and care into that relationship, what you find is that you find that a lot of these folks, when you get under the veneer, are uh, deeply caring people who want to have good relationships, who maybe not, they don't know how, maybe they've never been in that kind of relationship before, but they, but they care, they want to know how to do this, and they would, be, they would be great people for you to be close to. I say all that to say this. Here's a deep kind of relationship secret. Um, vulnerability is a prerequisite to real, deep, meaningful relationships. Um, if you got a, a group of college guys that have been living together for a couple of years, uh, you know, believers and stuff like that, they, everybody knows they're believers, but nobody in that apartment or whatever will ever kind of open up and share something real about themselves, ask for prayer, ever show a weakness or anything like that. They just kind of make fun of each other and mess with each other and go about their business. That thing's never going to get deep. That thing's never going to get real. There's nothing that's ever going to happen there. If you serve somebody and if you will open up uh, some kind of weakness in yourself and share some vulnerability, what you're going to find is people will respond to that. Um, If they're cool, if they're down, if they don't completely suck, they will respond to that by uh, saying, yeah, man, uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, You know what? I'm going to pray for you. And maybe a week later, a couple weeks later, a couple months later, they're going to come to you with something in them, maybe a weakness in them or a vulnerability in them or something that they need you to pray about. I wouldn't completely write off everybody your age yet, but I would try to look for somebody that you can maybe serve in some way and uh, be ready to discuss uh, be ready to come into those relationships with some humility. Be, be ready to come into those relationships, uh, you know, ready to show some vulnerability, ready to ask for help, ready to ask for prayer. It's unbelievable what humility and vulnerability can do for a relationship. You can propel it to a new place with those things. That's kind of a, it, it's, 
it's really a way to speed up this process. That would be my first step is, and that doesn't mean you unload your whole life history and your whole story and everything on everybody you meet. It means you trust somebody with a little piece at a time and see how they handle it. If they're massively uncool, we move to somebody else and we hand, we entrust a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit of your story, a little bit of your vulnerability and some humility into this person and then see how they handle that. If they handle it well, you may wind up with some really cool folks on your, on your hands and you may find your tribe. But it's going to take some weakness, vulnerability, some humility, and some service. You do that, and you're going to find some cool folks. And we'll pray it up, too. Absolutely. It's a very good point. And I'd love you to pick us up there. Um, one of the ways we, we do this is, as Lee is pointing out, to totally write off vast swaths of people is probably not great. Um, and also, we do want these things, the, the intimacy, the, the vulnerability, but it's especially for male-type people. That's mm-hmm. probably not the that may not be the most comfortable place to start, right, right? But we do need to get walking in the same direction as some folks, and sometimes rather than kind of identifying the people and then trying to all get going in the same direction, it's a little easier to find who's walking in that direction and start moving that way, right? Well, for sure, yeah. I think um, the closest relationships I have uh, with other Christians are. Uh, tend to be other people who are doing the kind of work that I'm doing. Uh-huh. Uh, there, I have uh, some supporters that uh, that I would say are involved in the sense of they're for supporting financially, and they're doing that because that's their passion. You know, the work that we're doing is th- is that passion, and there's a connection on that as well. So, uh, but it's it's all kind of the shared thing of we're all into mm-hmm. this. Uh, this particular type of calling, so I think it's a natural thing to to start there, um, I, and I think you're going to find that a lot easier. I, I, when I'm talking to other urban ministry people, I feel like we're finishing each other's sentences. Mm. I can I can tell where they're going with what their problems. Eighty percent of what they're. I, I had a, a guy we can't unfortunately give you a lot of details, but I had a guy. I had a, a, a certain denomination that I was dealing with over the past uh, year or so. And uh, a series of of just endless frustrations, and this is with people I love. I really do. I really love these people. But man, they just one thing after another. With you these may people. recall from a previous episode, Glenn sharing about these people ending an email. You know, I love you, but dang, but dang. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, I I encountered another guy who who is doing also uh, urban ministry type thing and working with people in recovery. And he's dealing with the same denomination. He's like, you won't believe this. And he just <laughs> listed out the exact life I've been living for the past year. I said, brother, not only can I believe it, I'm living it. I know exactly what you're talking about. And for whatever reason, um, it I think for him, it lifted 100 pounds off of him mm-hmm. to be able to talk about that and have somebody not judge him for that and understand it. And it did me a world of good to just know I'm not crazy for for being frustrated about that, and I'm not the only one that this is happening to. So those kinds of connections, I think, are really, really uh, meaningful for us to have. Uh, Use the Internet. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed it uh, really before uh, my experience of doing the, the blog on the Internet, but I've managed to talk to tons of people doing youth ministry, doing college campus ministry, lots and lots of that, uh, talking to people uh, in other parts of the world. And 
they're they're telling they're asking me for advice, but I'm telling them here's this, and they're applying that in ways I never thought of, and that's giving me ideas kind of coming back, and it, it's such a neat relationship to see that iron sharpening iron. I do a mm-hmm. lot of that with the pastors I work with, but you know probably forty percent of that for me is online. So um, you make those connections, find other people out there in the world. But here's the point I want to land on, is I think um, you're using the term maturity, and I assume you mean that in the sense of uh, emotional maturity, developmental maturity, and so on and so forth, uh, which is great, I I guess. That's not spiritual maturity. Those are two different things. I I hope you are both, have a lot of both, but I I I don't know about that. But I think we want to make sure we don't confuse maturity with seriousness. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are people that are very serious about the Lord. Yes. They are not mature, but they're serious about the Lord. And if you're serious about the Lord, you ought to have plenty in common with them, whether they're a little goofy or not. Uh, It may make it hard to really click on things, but the most fundamental stuff you should be on the same page with. I think you 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 may also fall into the thinking of if someone is acting goofy, they must not be serious about God, and that that can be a pitfall as well. There mm. there, are, there there are some of us on this podcast that can act extremely goofy at times, uh, but there's no lack of seriousness yes. about being about what we're uh, what see we're the rectitude to. bit from the previous episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> correct. Um, so I think. Um, so yes, you know when you're a little developmentally ahead of the rest of your 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 peer group, yeah, that does feel like it's hard to click and and it's hard to to get together. I love what uh, what Lee is saying here about being vulnerable, uh, building those relationships, being more transparent. I think if you find somebody who's really serious about the Lord, whether they're whether you click with them on personality levels or not, whether they're whether you're a little more mature than than they are. Uh, you'll find that connection with that vulnerability, and you might encourage that person to be a little, little bit more uh, mature, and they might help you uh, cultivate a little bit of a goofy side. And I think that's a good thing for young people to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good point there. And Jed, I'd love to to you get you close out on this because, uh, the, like, much like we dealt with in a previous question, this is one of those things that um, you can get on the right path, but it's not going to be necessarily a tomorrow thing absolutely uh, and it shouldn't be let's be clear to get to that point we're talking about of that kind of inner circle people you, yep. you can trust with your, all your stuff thing you can get a little you know, as, as glenn is saying a little kind of buddy buddiness more tomorrow than you had today but how do we get comfortable with the fact that this is going to be a bit of a process and uh, start kind of building up some of those small victories we talk about to get some momentum rolling that's a great question. Well, I think we start with expectation management. Uh-huh. Uh, we start by, by grounding what we expect will happen in reality. Um, having a really amazing inner circle of people uh, is something you build uh, over a long period of time. That, that doesn't just happen. Uh, no yeah. one has that accidentally. Absolutely. So um, if you don't have that today, then you are uh, in common with nearly every Christian on the planet. Uh, but you can begin moving towards that. You can begin finding people, who, as Glenn said, who are serious, building relationships that, as uh, Lee said, are based on vulnerability, uh, mutual encouragement, serving together, um, and recognize that's all good. And every day that we do those things, we're a day 
closer to that goal. We're making progress, and that's great, and that's fantastic. It's also about taking advantage of the opportunities that you have in front of you right now. You, you said that you've got, it sounded like you said you've got some people that you could probably trust, but they're a bit older. They're not really your peers. That's fine. Um, right. let them minister to you. Let them, let them build you up. That's, that's great. That's no problem. Yeah. And I think it's actually worth looking at that for a second in particular. As much as everybody needs an inner circle, and they do, and that's a great thing to work towards, you also need people who are not your peers, who yeah. can help get you lined out and squared away. Christians have a weird hang-up about the idea that there are people who are way past me. Right. Um, and that's a huge problem. Yep. When you go to the doctor, I assume you don't need to feel like you and the doctor both have a lot of pretty legitimate thoughts about your health. The doctor knows, yeah. and you don't. Yeah. That's why right. one of you is called doctor and the other is called patient. Right. Um, in case, like with WebMD, probably, no? probably about the same, right? No. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. What, I, I have the world's greatest doctor. When I go to Dr. Weinstein, it is clear she knows and I don't. Right. That's why she's the doctor. Right. Um, and again, I, I'm sure you're not confused about that. But when it comes to Christian stuff, Christians have a weird way of saying, well, we all, I mean, we're all pretty much, you know, no, we're not. No, we're not. There are people who know way more about this Jesus thing than you do, who have lived way more of this Jesus thing than you have. That's a good thing. You want to take advantage of that and let them build you up and sort you out and line you out. I can tell you, for me, you know, I do a lot of stuff in media and, and music and whatnot. I am constantly seeking out people who are not my peers, who have an area where they know way more than I do. I mean, it's not close. So that I can learn from them. They can save me years of trouble and difficulty and whatnot. Um, Glenn has... Everything I know about being a Christian, I've learned from Glenn. It would have greatly impeded that relationship if I had needed to insist, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, well, we pretty much know the same stuff. I mean, you know, it's like... Yeah, maybe you're like, you know, an A plus and I'm like an A bordering on an A plus. But we're pretty much we're pretty much there because uh, that would not have been true. That would have caused a major problem. You do need an inner circle. That takes a minute. We need to work towards that. But we also need to not only accept that there are people who know more about this Jesus thing than you do, we need to seek them out and let them minister to us and not be insecure about that. Take advantage of that wisdom and let that be a way to grow and to grow in ways that we wouldn't otherwise. That's a really great point. You've heard a lot of good stuff about this. I, I would kind of tie these together by pointing out that um, this is one of those things that's actually not unlike uh, dating that we talked about in kind of the early part of this episode, where it's just a good idea to try some stuff. Yeah. As we're saying, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, uh, praying about and thinking about eyes to not have that sense of look to some of your current peers and not really look for that, uh, those eyes of assuming that you're more further along than they are and insisting that be true. Um, that could be service opportunities, uh, spiritual things. Uh, and some of those, that could be things that in and of themselves aren't spiritual, that are just hobbies or cool stuff. And you might go to that thing and meet somebody who's on the Jesus thing, and that mm-hmm. that's very cool. And looking for, as Jed's saying, looking for kind of little bits of this um, where you have it now. or you know, Be that with uh, mentors, be that with youth workers, be that with people you are serving, maybe 
get get on do some stuff and look for that two way thing. But as we as we pointed out, now it, it is worth pointing out because I do want to uh, make it clear: this is not a kind of thing that happens overnight. It's yeah. not the kind of thing that you get just for being an awesome Christian. Yep. It is the kind of thing that happens because you uh, some combination or some combination of pursuing it and open to it happening, and it really does have to be both of those. When you, and so you're on the right the right path and working towards that in the right ways. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We are out of the Christmas season. Woo! Woo! If you hear this episode, we all made it. It's over. <laughs> There's no more Christmas. That's it. Except for certain denominations that are going to assist in taking us all the way through three Kings Day, but we'll deal with that another time. We're looking so, at you, Lutherans. We really are. So we're moving out of the Christmas music. We're going to go back to some classic bridge worship music, oh. which oh, available right. on the Bridge Worship album, now available on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you download Ooh. or stream music. This song Ooh. is called Already There by Jed Brewer. We'll take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast. Will we do another 300 episodes? I select maybe. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm alone. When I'm alone, I don't know why. But I feel like something's wrong with me somewhere deep inside And I get so scared that God, you're not with me, not this time And that must mean I'm on my own and nothing's alright When changes come, I don't know why But I feel like I can't handle what is up in my life And I start to think that, God, I'm gonna go and backslide So what's the use in standing firm if I've lost the fight? When you are